Good evening, everybody. This is Tuesday, October 17th, 5.30 p.m., our regular scheduled council meeting. We're calling this meeting to order. Could I get a roll call, please? All seven council members are present this evening. All right, we're going to start this evening with an invocation from Pastor Earl Johnson from Spirit Life Church. Please stand. Lord, I just want to thank you for the time and the energy and the commitment each one of these council members, each one of these people have made, Father. We just ask that you would give them the wisdom they need in every decision that they make, Father. We ask for your leading and guiding as they work through every issue that comes before them, God. We ask that you would give them insight that they need to deal with every problem or every trouble, God. And we ask that you would give them unity as they make decisions, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please be seated. <laughs> All right, we have a proclamation today. Lori, can you come meet me down there? Whereas Bullhead City is sponsoring a drug prevention program on Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, called Walk Away From Drugs, and a 5K run, and whereas there is hope in winning the war on drugs, and hope that lies in the hard work and determination of our community to create a drug-free environment. And whereas this free event is hosted by the Bullhead City Police and Fire Departments, and the main event sponsor, Swire Coca-Cola, to help create a bigger future for our community by supporting this visual stance against drugs. And whereas the Walk Away From Drugs is held in conjunction with Red Ribbon Week, calling on all citizens to show their support for a drug-free state by wearing red and participating in our Walk Away From Drugs and 5K Run activity on Wednesday, October 25th, beginning at 4 p.m. at Ken Boger Park. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, Steve D'Amico, Mayor of the City of Bullhead City, do hereby proclaim Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, as Walk Away From Drugs Day, and encourage all citizens, businesses, public and private agencies religious and edu education institutions to wear and display red ribbons and participate in all our drug-free activities to show their community to a drug-free lifestyle. And witness thereof, I hereunto set my hand the 17th day of October, 2023. Thank you. Lori. Thank you guys and I really hope that you'll come on out. It is a fun event in the park right over here by the splash pad in the city pool. We gather at four o'clock. We have some booths out there. Squire Coca-Cola is bringing down their beanbag toss. Bullhead City Police will have a game with some prizes for the kids to play and there's going to be some educational booths, some community resources if people are in need and they want to commit re or recommit to a drug-free lifestyle, that we really encourage you to come out. Our uh, SWAT team will be running it. Uh, the, 
the high school um, track team usually runs it with us and we have a lot of different <coughs> schools that beans this is right during red ribbon week and i can't say that very fast but they come on out and they use this as a, a great tool for their children to gather and make make up banners from the boys and girls club and things and show that they want to live a drug-free drug lifestyle. So hopefully our Bullhead City Fire Department, thank you Chief Moore, will be there partnering with us again, leading the walk, and um, hopefully our council and our mayor and council will come on out, and hopefully mayor will be saying just a few words with our, our fire department and our chief, chief of police just to kick it off real, real short in the park. But we really hope that you guys can come on out and support our event. Five o'clock next Wednesday. I mean, correction, Wednesday, October 25th. Thank you, guys. All right, now our call to public. If you're speaking as an individual, you have three minutes. If you're speaking as a group, you have five minutes. You must have at least four people here with you and let us know if you are a group ahead of time. Steven. Mayor, City Council, uh, so much to cover. Um, number one thing, everyone who's hearing my voice, please look into what has happened to Tucker Carlson. He has been scrubbed from the internet. You'll find fake things that say they've been posted 10 minutes or an hour ago, but nothing since Sunday. You get error 410 on the Rumble Twitter page, X page, uh, you know, Tucker on X. No information on the internet. It's like nothing happened. No one is reporting on it. Anyone who has the ability to either contact Tucker or other people in the media who can investigate, please do so. Um, uh, on that note, what, uh, what he had reported on and what uh, people who really study what's going on in the whole Israel-Palestine thing appears to be a 9-11 Pearl Harbor type event where uh, they wanted a war, the deep state wanted a war, and so this is what we're dealing with and they want your unconditional support for Israel fighting a never-ending war and I hope that we can be smarter than that. Um, another thing directly to the mayor and to the city council is please, please respect our founding fathers. Get a real American flag. I've raised this before. I will not pledge allegiance to that thing. That is a corporate or maritime flag. That is not the flag of the Constitutional Republic of the United States. Um, I really hope you guys will take that seriously uh, and throw that, burn it, uh, and get a real American flag. Red, white, and blue. There's no gold on the American flag. Um, thank you. And uh, um, Ashley Garrick had mentioned on her show uh, that Tom Brady had told her that our members of the city council 
He hoped that she would actually read the bills. When Eddie and people like that bring you funding measures and uh, things for parks or like this thing which is a facade with the, the drug thing, you want to stop drugs, stop the illegal aliens, stop the flow of drugs. You want to create a situation, uh, you have to tackle the root of the problem. So I really hope that you guys read the bills and don't obligate us to things that are you're not reading that are really going to come back and bite us in the butt. And I think that happens all too often. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Harvey? Good evening, everybody. My name is Harvey Pryor. Been living here since woo, '87. Um, I do the Bullhead RC thing. Been having a lot of fun with that for the last couple of years. It's been a whole lot of fun. Uh, it's all growing here in town and everything. You just had your big event that went very well. I heard. Congratulations to all the cool winners. Uh, BK, what was it? Allen and uh, Tito. Um, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, I got something that's just in the back of my mind. I just got to get it out, man. A few months ago, Dave Heath came to me. You know, we met up at Community Park and had a conversation about what Bullhead RC might be doing for the summer or for the winter once it cools off. But during that, he made mention, because we all know I got in trouble at Rotary Park. I got put on probation. I got kicked out of there. I paid my fines. I did my time. Still working on the rest of it, but hey, you got to own up your responsibilities, and I do that. But Dave Heath, four months ago, out of the blue, says, "You know, you got a new judge in your case, and the way your probation is going to work is a little different." And I didn't think about it at the time, but boy, how that sure stuck in my head. On how does the Parks and Rec director know about? my case and my, the probation of my case unless I was in a conversation of some sorts. It happens, I guess. The D'Amico administration apparently got me. Good job. I got to keep my hand down that way I don't point at anybody or anything like that. But um, yeah, good job. You got me. Bullhead RC is still going to be all over Bullhead City. We never stopped. I know I can't go to Rotary Park. That's why I do my stuff everywhere else. I'm going to continue to do it everywhere else. One day, y'all let me back in the park, and I'll join you for that fun. I'll challenge you to a race myself. But till then, I'll go have my fun everywhere else. I don't understand why. That sure is uh, peculiar. But maybe I'm just paranoid because I watched that uh, YouTube channel. What's it called? Bullhead City Corruption. Yeah, that's what it's called. Y'all should check it out. Everybody should check it out. They got some really interesting stuff on that channel. Yeah, y'all have a good night. Thank you. Anyone else? Mayor, council people, uh, my name is Jeff Krause. I was here a month ago. Uh, I was here about the lot next to the Canyon Trails Clubhouse and 
the runaround that I had been getting from the building department and the code enforcement officers. And Mr. Cotter said that he would take care of it. Well, it's been a month, nothing's happened. So I'm asking you, what do we have to do to get it cleaned up? Because the building department doesn't want to do it. The code enforcement doesn't want to do it. Mr. Cotter is, isn't able to do it, apparently. I don't know if he's talked to anybody or not at, at Brookfield. Doesn't matter, they would lie to him anyways. It, not, it has not been done, it's now been three months. Where do I go for help for this? If, you, if the city's not gonna help me, do I have to go to the county? Is that who I have to go to next? Because it has to get cleaned up. You've got dangerous items stuck in the dirt that people walk over every day. And you've got stuff rotting in the, in the field. The, the crate with the uh, pressure relief is still sitting there, only it's rotting more and it's peeling back more. It's gotta be taken care of, guys, one way or the other. I mean, we have, we have ordinances for this thing, don't we? I would assume that we have ordinances. Why aren't we enforcing them? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Sue? Good evening, Mayor D'Amico, council members, and city officials. My name is Sue DeMarco. I am one of the two founders of SAINT, and I'm proud of it, uh, the other being Gene Brooks. Just for people's information that are checking us out on our face page or our website. So, <clears throat> tonight I wanted to uh, bring up the subject of our latest rescue, and her name is Zelda. I don't like the name, even though it's, I guess, close to Halloween, and that's a witch's name. <laughs> do have my ears on, um, and that is because of our fundraiser. But I want to tell you about Zelda. We pulled her out of our shelter here. She's about eight years old. Um, she was not a adoptable dog, is why Saint was contacted. And um, she supposedly had been hit by a car, maybe a broken jaw. We never, I never did hear the outcome on that, but she's in a foster. We put her in a foster, and she's getting medical attention. So there's another situation. And we don't only rescue from here in Bullhead, but we have rescued in Kingman, Needles, and other situations. I want people to know that, that I'm very proud of what Saint is doing for the surrounding communities as well. Um, she was considered a bite dog, I wanted to tell you that, but you know, if you've just been hit by a car supposedly and you're injured, you know, I mean, uh, Really? I think I might bite someone too if they tried to move me if I was in pain. So anyway, um, she's with us now. I wanted to update uh, you also on Bailey, the dog that was, was with us for over two and a half years in a foster. <clears throat> she's now in a place they should call heaven, and that's called Last Chance Ranch Sanctuary. That's in Kingman. Uh, Donna Doyle, our president, just visited her again just this week. She's doing great. It's like she's home free. She is living the life of Riley. She loves the cats that are there, the dogs that are there that are all in cripple. They're crippled up. They're blind. The horses have been malnourished that are there, and now they're doing beautiful. All the animals that go there will live their life out there because it's their last chance. Um, please go to her website, Last Chance ranch sanctuary her name is annie she runs that place 40 acres all by herself does a terrific job and um, i want to invite all of you to our fundraiser this saturday that's the 21st and that's at the dog house on hancock the address is 851 this side of the realtors building 
and I hope you can all make it. Of course, we have another event the same day, and that's uh, Connie at Swanee's, and I hope you can make her event as well, and that's a pet contest and a children's contest, and that starts at 10 a.m., ours starts at 6 p.m. So go to Connie's and go to ours if you can, take a nap in between, because that's the way this city works, you know, they keep you busy. You don't have time really for a nap, even at my age. And so, um, also, um, city ordinances. I just want to quickly mention that again. I know I'm running out of time. But please, all of you up there, think about putting your heads together like Steve has in the past and Tammy and get us some things on the, you know, on the page to protect our animals from all this abuse. It's horrible, the abuse that's going on and nothing being done about it, like with Hope. That woman should have been prosecuted. If it was me and I'd been a judge, she'd be doing jail time. And so Hope is in a good home as well, you know, that was tied up in that trailer that she lived in for years in her own feces. Oh, and also there's a calendar that's gonna be coming out for the fire department. And I'm proud to say Hope will be on it. Um, our dog Kane, that was the dam dog that came out of the dam. That dog will be on that calendar as well. And I saw one of the firemen's and he is, oh, oh cute. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to be good looking to be a fireman. Anyway, um, thank you, Fire Department, for that. And that calendar probably won't come out till 2024, I think. So um, we're looking forward to seeing that and seeing some of our dogs on that calendar. Thank you very much. And please go to our page, www.bhcsaint.org, and donate, even if it's just a dollar. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Sean? Hey, Council. Uh, Sean, Regan, Bullhead City. Uh, tonight, I just want to inform you of a little bit of a fundraiser we're doing for Arizona Veteran Canine. And on November 11th, uh, all day, Black Bear Diner will be hosting a, a, um, a fundraiser for us. Um, that will be going on, like I said, all day. And you just ask them for their code, and they will um, input our code into their system and donate the proceeds for that day. It's the whole day. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I expect all of you to be there for it. Um, and we just wanted to advise you of that. Um, going off of what Sue mentioned, I have a current dog that's a Belgian Malinois that I rescued in Phoenix. He too was one of those um, dogs that was abused in his feces um, and was subject to euthanization. Um, the dog is incredible. He does hand signals now. He is a little aggressive, which is why he can't be adopted out quite yet. We're still working with him. But this is a, a fact that has to come forward. People have got to stop abusing their dogs, taking dogs they can't take care of. Um, because that puts a lot of pressure on organizations such as Sue's and myself. We're constantly asked for help. We're constantly asked, um, where, where can you take a dog or, you know, whatever. The, the fact is, is if you can't take care of the dog or you don't know how, reach out to us. We'll help you. But please, take care of the dogs and the animals that you put in your care. It's ridiculous. And I honestly believe there should be some felony convictions going on for this abuse because it shouldn't continue. If you get caught abusing a dog or leaving it malnourished or tied up, you should do serious jail time for it because that's just as bad as abusing a child in my opinion. 
That being said, I got a minute left. Um, so I want to thank everyone that does come out and support us. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention was Dot Foods that they supported us last time. I didn't give them an honorable mention, and I forgot to do so. And I wanted to mention them um, right off the top. Um, so that being said, uh, thank you. Um, please remember when you consider adopting, please consider the fact that it's a lifetime commitment. Thank you all. Thank you. Anyone else? Julie? Good evening, Mayor, Council and Staff. I'm Julie Hassett, President of Colorado River Concerts. I'm here to let you know that it's 30 days until we begin our concert season with four wonderful programs. All shows are held at the Mojave High School Auditorium at 7 p.m. We're starting November 16th with Ireland's greatest showman, David Shannon. Uh, we will also be doing a mini concert at no charge to the students that day at 10 a.m. for hundreds of elementary school students that we've invited. We're very excited about that. We go into uh, January with Divas 3, Three Voices, Powerhouse Vocalists, Four Decades of Music, honoring the biggest divas in music history. On February 21st, an international pop-up quartet comes to us as semi-finalists in Britain's Got Talent, Vox Fortura. And we end our season with Key of G Live, March 7th, the best of Garth Brooks. So we hope you'll join us for the whole season or for one ticket only. Um, the whole season is only $100 for four shows. Single tickets are $35 each. Students 18 years and under with ID are only $5 at the shows and 14 years and under must be accompanied by a paid adult. We also welcome your sponsorships. We've had nine new sponsors this year and we're really happy to have that happen because uh, we just need the support of people in this community financially and to attend the concert. Show up, be there, help us fill the auditorium. I want to thank everybody for that we visited us at the farmers market. We were there all day, well, from nine to one, and we saw talked to more than a hundred people that were interested in what we do. We had a wonderful time. I always feel like the first farmers market of the season is so much fun because a lot of people haven't seen each other for a while. So it's definitely like a social event. Don't miss the next one coming up at the end of November, the holiday market. Um, if you would, and we will be there also, we will be at all the farmers markets if anybody wants to come and talk about music. Um, many people voice their opinions uh, on our What Do You Like board about what they want to see in our community as far as performing arts. And we loved it. We, we just got to socialize and hear some, a lot of things from people, what they'd like to see. So it's crconcerts.com. Uh, and you can order your tickets online. The single tickets are now available online for Ireland's Greatest Showman. And we welcome your support, and we hope that we'll see you at the concerts. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Nick? Hi, my name is Nick Parsons. I live in Bullhead City. I work on the solar cars, alternative fuels, and propulsion systems sort of a family tradition. Mayor, council, chief, or captain, streets are looking good. Toby, management, I love what I'm seeing in the town. 
hear about the, uh, you know, first before I get started about the race on train, there were a couple years ago, about six years ago, we were talking about how we were going to take over the water company. About 50-50 split in the whole town of whether we could do it or not. You guys are doing it. Whether it's good or, good or bad, it's still being done, and it's not bad. It's not, really. A little bit of more communication amongst people, it would be better. Um, but get back to the train race, what I'm here for tonight, the, the race. Um, you know, and, and that sets us up for we handle one utility, you could handle a power utility, a solar battery storage utility company. That needs to come our way. But with the race at the train, it, to a great venue, a couple hundred people, they actually gave me an exhibition on the last race to run the solar cars on train on the track. It was excellent fun. But if you could consider changing the venue to more of a flat track, there was a little whoop at the end of the eighth of a mile over there, it became dangerous. If it wasn't for the professional drivers, there would have been an accident, their hands down. I heard from the drivers they were requesting Airstrip Row, right where the, uh, the air traffic control road is. If it's more of a flatter road and, and more convenient for them where it's, it goes into a dead end, please consider it. Now, train, when we were running the solar cars and the golf carts, 50, 60 mile an hour track, that's a perfect track for it. And I love the center of the city. When you look at the backdrop in the city hall right there and they were running it and smokes, it was, it was a great sight. Consider that, please. I'm not gonna waste so much time, guys. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful night. Anyone else? Pam. Good evening, Mayor, Council, and staff, Pamela Smith, and I am here to invite you all to Bingo. Bingo and Burgers is next Tuesday, the 24th at Chaparral. If you purchase your tickets before the 20th, it is $20. That includes your burger. If you wait and do it at the door, it'll be $25. And I think that's all I got on that. So come down. Oh, Eva's got tickets tonight if anybody wants to purchase them tonight. Otherwise, contact me and we'll get it handled. Um, November 1st is the Colorado River Republican Women's regular meeting and Kimberly Yee, the state treasurer, will be our speaker. So hopefully we will see you there. It is also at Chaparral and it is $15 if you would like lunch. If you don't want lunch, you don't have to have it. And hopefully we'll see you there. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Jim? Jim Fuller, uh, Mayor, Council Members, and staff. Um, I got a couple things. Uh, I, my, my heart's really broke over what's happening with our Republican Central Committee here in Mojave County. Uh, it's, um, we're very divided. Uh, it's been uh, a good three months of, a, uh, of an internal war going on. I've been on both sides. Now I'm in the middle. I'm getting it from both sides. And I'm not here crying. I just, I just as a Christian guy, just pray that we can have dialogue and, and come together and get, get this thing fixed. Uh, most of us here in Mojave County are Republican. We're a conservative county. And so it, it really hurts 
to, to see all the fighting going on. And whether we are, we're all voters and citizens of our county, Bullhead City mainly. Uh, I've been up here. I think I called it, uh, the, the mud is uh, knee deep, you know, people slamming each other. Well, it's still going on. Uh, it's gotten physical a couple times. I shared it with, with law enforcement. It happened. Um, we had a quarterly uh, meeting on at the college on September 30th, and a friend of mine there got physically manhandled by a couple guys. His shirt got ripped, but he, he doesn't want to press charges or or make a complaint about it, but uh, we don't have to worry about the next meeting. I heard the next meeting's gonna happen in Lake Havasu, thank God. But that this physical stuff needs to stop. Um, it, it just can't keep going, and so um, I just wanna share that, just pray for us. A lot of us in the group are Christian people, but we seem to, forget those things and and just kind of hang on to old old stuff and just continue to fester so anyway i just want to share that for our community and also uh, i'm kind of with steve with the israel thing uh, the Mossad is the greatest intelligence probably in the world and they were 20 hours before they acted what the hell's with that so i love israel but I think there's more to that. I think they, they want to make war. They, the bankers need more money. So pray for Israel and the people that run it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Scotty. Eva. Scotty. talk about misinformation on the Republican Party. Everything's on tape, video, including that situation down there at you, the college. Can you state your name for the record, please? Oh, geez, old Pete, Steve D'Amico. Yeah, your wife's on tape, too. Can you state your name for the record, please? Scotty, in from Bullhead. Thank you. You socialists. Anyway, ask Pastor Roy, he's New Life Church. He was up there yesterday at the, at the county meeting and you should listen to him talk about you and Jeannie Kinch needs to resign that will fix it so you ask Pastor Roy what he thinks about that he's on tape too so enough of that said I wasn't going to bring that up yesterday but this misinformation about this stuff it's all on tape so if you want to see it we'll get it Toby I'm asking you to poll number two this fiasco, you've got that speed bump over there. There are wrecks over there. Barricades are run over. Why can't we bore underneath the street? You need a, you're eventually going to have to get water over to that place. It's 300 acres. Why? I can't believe that. It's like that. Now, this here is from me. The civil grand jury. I'm going after the city council from Lake Havasu. I was just down there last Tuesday. I'm getting a lot of support on this, and I'm going to get this grand jury going. The civil 
grand jury, which is a different animal from a regular grand jury that does indict. The civil grand jury does not indict people. Let me tell you what they do here. To investigate and review citizens' complaints concerning their operations of the city and county government, as well as other tax-supported and nonprofit agencies like 501Cs, which Toby has stopped me from investigating one of them. I have it here. If I go any farther, I'm going to jail. So, um, this is, I believe, a constitutional right for us to have a grand, civil grand jury. It's here. <laughs> I believe it, this is Scalia, 1992. Um, there we have three branches of government. That, well, I'm not sure we have the executive <coughs> branch anymore. And we certainly don't have a legislative branch right now, but the judicial. Well, I think the fourth branch of the United States here is the civil grand jury and the grand jury. These are run by judges. There's about 18, 19 people that get on here. From these people here, they volunteer. And so I'm going to get one. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Gary. Mayor, Council, first off, I'm here on behalf, Gary Genovese, by the way, uh, for the K-9 Car and Bike Show of 2023. Proceeds will benefit the Mojave County Sheriff's SOAR Foundation. That's an acronym that stands for Stop Overdose Addiction Resources. And our good friend John Sancelli, who runs the car show and is a stellar member of this source uh, organization to help that. This will be on Sunday, November 5th, 9 to 3. Mojave Marketplace gets filled with hot rods and custom cars. I've had mine down there a couple of times too. Also, Black Mountain uh, canines will be available and this part of this is for Saint also. So there'll be a live auction, DJ, canine demonstrations, etc. So the canine demonstrations are really fun to watch. Those, those dogs really uh, put on a show. So put this on your calendar for Sunday, November 5th, 9 to 3, Mojave Marketplace. 5480 Highway 95 down in Fort Mojave. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's fall. And with fall comes cooler temperatures. Cooler temperatures mean better appetites. And what better way to sate your appetite than with a honey-baked ham? We are coming to you again from the fundraiser for the Colorado Historical Society and Museum. So we will be entertaining orders for the hams in the, uh, all the way up until Thanksgiving, and then we'll also be re redoing this again for Christmas. I get to go up there and help the ladies pack the hams in the truck. Pickup times will be 6.30 to 8, and Susanna is the ramrod of this uh, organization, where according to the Honey Baked Ham orders. So she can be reached at 928-234-4800. Once again, this is a fundraiser for the 
Colorado River Historical Society and Museum. That's a mouthful. And uh, they do a lot of good stuff. So in subsequent city council meetings, I shall present you with a little more details about the organization itself and some pickup times and dates. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Eva. Good evening, mayors, council members, and of course, Toby Cotter, uh, and Jeff Tipton. We love you too. Uh, this is about our 11th annual Halloween pet costume contest. As you know, I've been a volunteer with the Mojave County Sheriff's Eva, Office. Eva, could you state your name? I did, Eva did Corbett. I thought I did. You didn't hear me? Okay. Eva Corbett, Bullhead City. Start. 11th Annual Halloween Pet Costume Contest is Saturday, October the 28th, and I'm hoping that all of you can come. Tonight, today, this time, we're benefiting uh, the Sheriff's Search and Rescue Unit from Bullhead City, and we care for animals, which is the CAT TNR program, SOAR, which is the uh, the program that is uh, Stop Overdose Addiction Resources, which is through the Sheriff's Department also. And then also Sean's group, Arizona Veteran Canine Services. We're trying to help all these groups uh, raise money for their efforts. And the prizes for the costume are $100 for first prize, 50 for second, and 25 for third, and those are cash prizes. Uh, our MC will be our mayor, Stephen D'Amico. Thank you, Steve. And our music will be by Linda Saldano. Is saying it right? Yeah. She's our, she's our um, DJ. And we have lots of surprises as well. I understand we're going to have a wolf guy show up. I'm all in for that. So please help us. Okay, another one. Got one minute. We did the burgers already. By the way, the burgers on uh, Tuesday is at 5 p.m. She forgot to mention that. I also want to promote my church. St. Margaret Mary's Catholic Church is having a pro-life baby bunco. Now what it is, is um, we are doing a baby shower type of thing for babies uh, that aren't born yet. It's called pro-life. And what we do is we bring diapers and other infant things to play bunco, and the prizes are donated as, at the church. It will be in the, rec, in the uh, parish hall. It's November the 9th, 2023, um, Thursday, November the 9th. And I hope you will come because last year we had a, a very slight turnout, and it's, um, even if you're not a Catholic, you're invited to help with the pro-life program. So we hope that you will show up and bring a friend with you. And that's all I have for tonight, I think. Let me look. Oh, 11 o'clock at the church. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? All right, we're gonna close the call to the public. Agenda modifications, any items to be withdrawn from, move to the appropriate place on the agenda. Now I'll take a waiver motion. Mr. Mayor, I move to waive the reading in full of all ordinances and resolutions presented for adoption at this meeting. Second. Second. Cast your votes. 
So I'm in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Manager's report. Good evening, Mayor D'Amico, Council members. Uh, this evening, a couple quick items for all of you in the public. The first, this afternoon, the council and staff uh, had an opportunity to go tour the new bridge site. Um, we spent a few months since we've been there, and um, Mackenzie might have some pictures and videos to show. Um, that's from our tour at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So we were able to see the bridge and the deck um, in its current uh, construction form. Uh, there's still a few months left. Uh, the approaches um, are still yet to be constructed. The roads are paved um, in Nevada, and of course we've had our side done for quite a long time. So uh, we believe that there's about 80 days left of construction till substantial completion, probably early spring, February, March, April. So a few factors that play into that. We will have a new bridge open connecting Bullhead City to Laughlin in Clark County, Nevada. So um, there's some recent uh, drone footage that uh, Mr. Bilbray also had, uh, had put out. Uh, you can see some of that on the screen right now. Um, he has been sort of out there, you know, so dedicated to take all this drone footage. Um, you can look up Bob Bilbray on YouTube. You'll see a lot of his drone footage you'll be able to see really from the start of the project to now how much has been done. <clears throat> so a lot of commitment from Bullhead City and Clark County to get this bridge constructed. The contractors are doing a great job. You can see there where the walking multi-use path is sort of on the right side of your screen and then the, the actual travel lanes uh, will be there. Um, we do have four lanes on the parkway when you come into Bullhead City. Uh, we do anticipate development uh, pretty quickly on the Bullhead City side. The Laughlin side uh, does not have full utilities yet, so uh, development will be a little bit slower on the Laughlin side, but nevertheless, it does open up our two communities. Uh, we are going to have a new bridge. Um, it wasn't that long ago. A lot of people said it was a dream, it'll never happen, forget about it. Well, you could see we're going to have a bridge here in a few months, so prepare for that. Thank you. Uh, there'll be two travel lanes on the bridge in either direction, and then two lanes in uh, Nevada as well. It'll open up to four lanes on the parkway in Bullhead City. Also another uh, construction projects I wanted to just again briefly talk to the community about Highway 68 is under construction right now. Uh, anybody who's traveling on 68 just be aware during the day there is construction. Um, there's milling and repaving. You can see in the city limits right now on Highway 68 um, that it is already repaved. Um, the contractor is doing very well on Highway 68. Angie just briefed me before the meeting on Highway 95. It looks like here at the end of the month, first part of November, Highway 95 project will start. So it's starting down closer to Needles, working its way up to Bullhead City. All the work will happen at night. Uh, so traffic impacts should be limited from, for the most part uh, with uh, major construction happening at night. That is a total milling and repaving of Highway 95, starting south, making its way into the city, probably in December, January at the latest. Once the project is over, the city will have total control and total jurisdiction over Highway 95 for the, you know, for eternity from that point forward. Um, also, just finally on the special events side, I think Mackenzie has updated us that, you know, we're getting ready for the big fall season of special events, sports happening frequently within our parks at the Field House. 
Um, also this weekend, as many of you know, is the big event over at Gary Keith Park with the Corn Fest. Expect a big, big crowd over there Friday and Saturday. And then also for the community, if you're interested in participating in the Veterans Day Parade, still have a chance for businesses and groups to get their floats together until um, about the end of October, um, contact the City Rec Department. So that's actually on Veterans Day, the 11th of November. And then just a few short weeks later is the Christmas holiday boombox parade. That happens the first Friday in December. And then also a major event taking place on December 16th. Uh, that's the city's Christmas festival out at the field house. It'll be bigger and better than you've ever seen before. Uh, we're anticipating, you know, 15 to 20,000 people at that event on December 16th. So a lot of activities. You heard a whole bunch of them at call to the public. I, I think whoever said, uh, maybe Sue said, just hang around. There's always something to do. There are literally dozens of events every weekend in our community. And um, so if you're looking for something to do, hop on social media, read the newspaper, you'll find plenty of things uh, that are happening in Bullhead City. Uh, that concludes my report. Thank you. All right, Mayor and Council members report on current events. Anyone have anything? Anybody? Yes, Mr. Mayor. Uh, like Toby mentioned already about the Corn Fest, it is this Friday and Saturday, the 20th and 21st. It is free to attend. They'll have a haunted house, so it's already in a few days. Have fun. All right, no one else. I got a couple things. Uh, this Saturday from 1 to, 4, 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, at the American Legion, the Sons of American Legion presents Pie in the Face fundraiser. Uh, they'll have potluck, 50-50 tickets, basket raffles, entertainment, and of course, pie in people's faces. Um, I'm volunteering uh, to be one of the guys. So, Scotty, come on out. I'm sure you got five bucks. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you don't want to throw a pie in my face? I thought you'd love that. Yeah, I'd throw a pie. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll have some people, and if uh, you'd like to throw a pie in the mayor's face, it's for charity. Uh, I'm offering myself up. Then uh, next thing we have, uh, November 9th at 9 a.m., we have bowling with the mayor. It's We Bowling at the Senior Center. It's a competition. We actually have people coming from uh, Laughlin, all, even Las Vegas, and from here, uh, to bowl against the mayor. We're gonna have a certificate for whoever knocks the mayor out, which will probably be the first group that bowls against me because uh, they're pretty good and I'm not. And then we have a trophy for the winner of the, the whole event. So that'll be a good event. It's gonna be at the Senior Center on November 9th at 9 a.m. And that's all I have. So we'll move on from there. Uh, consent agenda. Uh, any items to be withdrawn from the consent agenda? I'll take a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve the consent agenda as presented. Second. Catch your vote. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number four. Discussion of possible action to appoint two citizens to serve on the Municipal Property Corporation to fill one three-year term and one partial term. Mayor D'Amico, council members, uh, in your packet, the only item of interest here is one individual needs to uh, be appointed to the three-year term and one for the partial term. You have two people, so you just have to decide which one is filling which position. All right, either one of them here? No. All right, I'll entertain a motion. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I'll make a motion to appoint mail for the one, let's see, 
one three-year term? Second. No, Stein, sorry. Second. 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 What about Paul Bull? We have two of them. Isn't he the partial? Am I supposed to do two? You could do these at the same time, yes. Okay. Uh, I move to appoint Paul Bowl and um, Mel Stein to item four. Second. Second. Cast your votes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number five. Discussion of possible action to appoint a citizen to serve on the Bullhead Area Transit. System Commission to fill a partial term effective immediately and expiring on September 30th, 2024. Mayor Council, you do have one applicant for one position. Are they present? Nope. All right, I'll take a motion. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number five is read. Second motion. Cast your votes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number six. Discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2023-R45 expressing support for Tom Brady's application for appointment to the Arizona State Transportation Board for District 6. Mayor D'Amico, Council Members, Assistant City Manager Travis Pruitt will present this item. Good, good evening, Mayor, uh, members of the Council and members of the public. The, the item before you, uh, t this item is the uh, uh, resolution supporting the appointment of former Mayor uh, Tom Brady to the Arizona State Transportation Board. Uh, just to give you a little background on the Arizona State Transportation Board, they, this is the board that basically uh, uh, rules on important matters related to all the highways throughout the state of Arizona. Um, they award contracts. They also determine and they can modify the projects that are on the, Ari uh, the Arizona State projects. Um, they are pretty influential and uh, um, for us in particular, the mayor, uh, mayor can speak to this in the sense that we actually had to go to the board to uh, request some of the funding and confirm the project for the um, um, for Highway 95. So that boat, they took a boat on that and it was influential that the person that was in District 6 supported us on that. So it is a pretty important appointment. This is uh, an appointment uh, that goes, it's the governor's appointment and then it's confirmed in the state senate. Um, so um, so this, this particular appointment represents, as I mentioned, District 6. So this covers Mojave uh, County, Yavapai, Yuma, and La Paz County. Uh, another important aspect of this is this member, whoever, whoever sits in this seat, um, they will also be a voting member of our newly formed MPO. Um, so the current, right now, there is a representative from Yuma that sits in the seat. Now that, that person's, um, that person's term, uh, Mr. Gary Knight, it ends um, um, throughout 2024. So at some point in 2024, that person's term will come to an end. Typically, they, they, um, they do the uh, appointment at the end of 23, and they kind of confirm it in, uh, throughout 24. 
So uh, Gary Knight has been very helpful to us, um, but like I said, his term is coming to an end, so we would like to get someone in there who's going to, who understands the area, understands Bullhead City, the transportation needs of Bullhead City, um, and of course, as you know, uh, former Mayor Tom Brady has a good understanding of all of that. Um, so with that being said, um, I stand for any questions that you may have. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions, comments? Um, I know Tom's not here to speak, he's on vacation, yeah. uh, but this is very important. Um, when we went out for the, for the funding for Highway 95, a um, little scary, you're not guaranteed to get anything. And it's nice to have people there that know our area and know our needs. So I highly recommend this. Is there anyone from the audience has any questions, comments? All right, thank you, Travis. And also, if I could add, I meant to mention, yes, you're right, uh, uh, Tom Brady's not available this evening. He had a pre-planned trip. If he could have made it, he did intend to, to show up, but he had a pre-scheduled trip, so thank you. Thank you. All right, I'll entertain a motion, please. Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve item number six as read. Second. Second motion. Cast your vote. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number seven. It's a public hearing discussion of possible action to approve ordinance number 2023-23 authorizing the repeal of ordinance numbers 93-616-99-978-2004-13-2004-47-2006-50-2012-1 and 2019-17 and voiding these specific and zoning plans as a development plan for the parcels of land described as section 28 township 21 north range 21 west. Mayor D'Amico, council members, items seven, eight, and nine are essentially all the same, but they all require a public hearing and a motion. Uh, our planning manager, Johnny Laura, will be here to present these items. Um, they may seem a little redundant after the first one, but we need to walk through each one with you. Good evening, Mayor, council. So as Toby mentioned, there's three items total. They all are state-owned parcels that had the zoning plans approved in 1993. And they've had multiple extensions since then. At this point, we've reached out to the state. They have no interest in continuing with the extensions, so we're asking that it be repealed. I stand for any questions. Thank you. Any questions, comments? Hey, Mackenzie, quick question, or I should say a statement on this. You know, we've given 30 years worth of extensions, six extensions on both, or I should say seven, eight, and, and nine. Is there any way we could just shorten that period of time, maybe three extensions maximum, and that's it, rather than go an extra 15 years and nothing's going to be done. So each extension comes before council, so council at any time could choose to approve or reject an extension request. But in the, in the code, the code has specific criteria that they're supposed to meet in order to request the extension, so it's up to council to determine whether they've met their most points or not. And council member, one thing to keep in mind, this was the state of Arizona who preemptively spent money master planning, designing, and going through that process for state-owned property, which is really kind of unique. Now, they're basically saying, okay, we don't see it selling today, we don't see it selling tomorrow, probably will sell at some point in time in the future, especially when we do land and then some other improvements in that general area. So, not all is lost. They'll, whoever the developer is will just have to go back through that process. But I think in this particular case, the city over the many years was just being um, more in a partnership with the state of Arizona since they spent all that money up front. Um, but now they're not interested in pursuing that any further and 
um, that's why we're recommending that it also be repealed. Anyone else? Anyone from the audience? In case you forgot, Steve, it's Scotty from Ballhead. Uh, is this what's holding up Landon Drive from there to there? No. That's not the property. I thought it went right through the middle of it. So that's a totally separate process, and we've done everything we can do. We're waiting on the state to set an auction time frame so that we can purchase the strip of land we need for Landon. So all the utilities are in, so... So that's what's holding up the... These, these have nothing to do with that, though. These are totally separate parcels. Okay. I thought it went right through the middle of them because they got utilities and everything. And it, the map shows it going right on out to Highway 68, you know. Right. What we're trying to purchase from the state, we've already gone through that process. They need to send it to auction, and we're waiting on the state for that. So somebody's going to bid against us? Maybe. Anyone else from the audience? All right, I'll take a motion then. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number seven is read. Second a motion. Cast your votes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number eight. Public hearing, discussion of possible action to approve ordinance number 2023-24, authorizing the repeal of ordinance numbers 93, 623, 99, 979, 2004, 12, 2004, 48, 2651, 2012-02, and 2019-18, and voiding the specific and zoning plans as a development plan for the parcels of land described as Section 30, Township 20 North, Range 21 West. As mentioned, Mayor DiMigo, council members, you are required by law to hold the public hearing. We're happy to answer any questions you might have. Thank you. It's the same thing, different lot. Any questions, comments? Anyone from the audience? I'll take a motion. Mr. Mayor, I move that we approve item number eight as read. Second motion. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number nine. It's a public hearing, discussion of possible action to approve ordinance number 2023-25, authorizing the repeal of ordinance numbers 93, 623-99-980, 2004-11, 2004-49, 2006-52, 2012-3, and 2019-19 and voiding these specific and zoning plans as a development plan for the parcels of land described as Section 36, Township 20 North, Range 22 West. One last time, Mayor D'Amico, we're here to answer any questions. We are obligated to have a public hearing. Any questions, comments? Anyone from the audience? I'll entertain a motion, please. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number nine is read. Second a motion. Cast your votes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number 10. Discussion of possible action to approve one, the purchase of five patrol vehicles from Phil Long dealerships in the amount of $304,346.60. Two, the city manager's execution of a contract with Arizona Emergency Products, number QTE081423-1, for the full ups upfit of five patrol vehicles in the amount of $133,483.55. And three, the adoption of resolution number 2023 R46, 
authorizing the purchase of goods and services under the Cooperative Educational Services Procurement Cooperative. Mayor D'Amico Council members, as you know, each year we try to budget for at least five new patrol vehicles, and then those vehicles uh, are sort of hand, handed down through the department. So the newest ones catch the street, and then the older ones, um, you know, ultimately get auctioned off as they go through that process. Uh, Captain Harms is here uh, for Chief Treves tonight, and he'll present this item. Thank you, City Manager Cotter. Um, Mayor Council, this request is to approve uh, to purchase five Ford Utility SSV Expeditions, four-wheel drive with the police vehicle package and all required equipment and services in the total amount of $437,830.15. The five vehicles are proposed to be purchased from Phil Long Dealership Incorporated. The dealership affords the city uh, the cooperative selling prices it offers as a bidder under the cooperative educational services of Albuquerque, New Mexico for a total cost of $304,346.60. The cooperative provides uh, public solicitation services for 81 school districts and other local governments in the state of New Mexico. Uh, the upfits consist of all the equipment necessary to add to a vehicle for law enforcement purposes. This equipment will be purchased and then installed by Arizona Emergency Products using the Yavapai Cooperative Arrangement for a total cost of $133,483.55. Uh, funds in the amount of $437,830.15 have been budgeted for the fiscal year 2023-2024 budget to purchase and fully upfit the five vehicles with the complete police package. The City Council is now requested to approve the purchase and upfit for the five vehicles. Uh, I know in the past there's been questions about warranties. These five vehicles come with a three-year, 36,000-mile bumper-to-bumper warranty. Uh, we were kind of surprised to learn just very recently that Ford is now offering uh, extended warranties on police service vehicles because the emergency vehicles usually, uh, they want to exclude that emergency driving and other uh, rough situations. So we found out, uh, staff and I found out that Ford, through Ford, they'll offer a premium care 125,000 mile warranty for five years with zero deductible for an additional $4,800 a vehicle. Uh, we're working with uh, City Manager Cotter on looking for funding for that because we can add this anytime before the three or 36,000 miles. So it gives us a little bit of leeway before we have to add it. Uh, we have talked with Fleet and they believe it's going to be a great option for us because of the repairs we've incurred. Uh, as expensive as a transmission uh, would have caught, it would have paid for the, the service in one claim. So I stand for any questions. Thank you. Anyone have any questions? Captain, a uh, quick question for you. That would be, uh, are these going to be 2023 models or 2024 models since they're already out? They'll be 2024 models. Okay. Uh, next question I have is, we send these vehicles off to um, going to auction. Is there any, do you have any idea as to how much or anticipated how much money we would be getting from auction on each vehicle? Council member, recently on the older models that we're sending to auction, sometimes they're as little as a few thousand dollars. Um, typically the cars that are making it to auction just are at absolute end of life. 
One other question then, if they don't go to auction, would you be able to sell these outright to individuals looking for a, another vehicle? Or are there other restrictions that would prevent that? Yes, so council member, our process is simply all of our excess um, disposable property, anything that's surplus, all gets auctioned off. So anybody is able through publicsurplus.com to bid on any vehicle we put on there. Well, good. Thank you very much. Anyone else have any? Rich? So I had a question about, and I clearly support what we want to do here. How did we decide on these particular vehicles? Was there a pro is it commonality to other vehicles in the department? Is it based on operating expense, maintenance expense? Yeah, there, there's very few options when it comes to these type of vehicles. The captain can talk to you. It's it's very limited, and they're making so few of these vehicles now. Um, you know, public safety vehicles, police squad cars, if you will, patrol vehicles, are hard to get. Uh, in the first place and so that's one of the questions that you didn't kind of ask but I'll answer it anyway why can't we just go down to the dealership and buy these they're not available so these are specialty vehicles that are being made they make so few of them and so we're pretty much limited to a couple different brands mm -hmm. and um, you know this past year we kind of scrambled just to get our our vehicles in so uh, the captain can kind of refine that comment a little bit but um, there are only a couple different vehicles that we could even purchase for our patrol. Okay. Yeah, and last year we did go with the Chevy Tahoes. Uh, this year the ordering hasn't even opened up. We didn't want to get to a situation where we end up in December or January trying to receive vehicles, get the upfit. These 2024s are on the lot, ready to go. So if approved, we'd be able to get them immediately. Okay. Any other questions? I have a question, just more for, just curious. Um, you were saying that the, the police vehicles have been really difficult to get, say, in the last three years or so. Is that correct? And is that due to the um, police defunding nationwide? Is that is that contributing to any of it or no? I would say no. My opinion is, is the, the market has grown so much for the private uh, industry. It just seems like they're, they're pushing them more that way. They make more money on a private sale than they would do to the government. Thank you. Mr. Mayor, if, if I might, um, one of the things that happens with police special purpose vehicles is these dealerships have to order them two years ahead of time. So they have to guess how many they're going to be able to sell. And I know we, we have had a few years where they underguessed and we were unable to get police vehicles. So having these available at our beck and call right now just makes perfect sense to buy them now. Yeah. I agree, and I think we're <clears throat> actually lucky they do have them right now. And uh, unlike other cities, with the defunding of their police, we support our police here and uh, want to make sure you have the tools to do your job. And uh, we support you 100%. That being said, no one else has any questions or anyone from the public? Scotty from Bowhead. I guarantee you don't want to buy one of these at auction. They've been run and run and run, especially if he's been driving one. <laughs> um, Ford, Chevy, they all stop, stop pretty much doing uh, fleets. So you're lucky to get these. But one thing I have a question on, no wonder I can't hear me. 
um, is the lights on these vehicles. They, it just seems like I was at a T-bone intersection up here going into Circle K a few months ago at five in the morning and I was blinded because all of a sudden here comes three more cop cars. I think they were at the donut shop. They all came at once. I'm gonna get in trouble for that one, but <clears throat> but all of a sudden yeah, I couldn't see, and Circle K is well lit. But I think there's too many lights on cop cars, and uh, I think somebody's making a lot of money on having all these little doodads lights, black and red and blues and whatever color. It looks like a Christmas tree, but I don't know why we need. I mean, we were just fine back in the 50s and 60s with a cherry top. You can see those at night. But I can see fire engines having all these little doodads. You ever watch the news in Phoenix and on the freeway accidents? It's lit up like, I just don't think we need to have all the lights on these things. Um, I, or, or that, is that included in this 133,000? Or do you have a choice that you have to have all these lights that they say we need? It, we, do, we do build them for the need of the, the city. So we found that the lights help with the, the safety factor at night. And it, they are bright, unfortunately, at, at times, but they keep the officers safe. Anyone else? Sean? Sean Reed, Bullhead City. As a former traffic accident investigator for LA County, I know that the lights are definitely important. LEDs make them exceptionally bright and people still don't see them, so they're needed. Um, I just have a question about the Tahoes. Uh, I thought we had ordered Tahoes earlier in the year. Did we not get those? Or, I don't know if you can answer that. We, we do have those and they're in the stages to get them on the street, so we're hoping to get all of them at the same time. Okay. And then I had a quick question. I mean, if we're buying vehicles um, for you know, the police work. I, I've yet to see the motors in, in at work. I've seen them once or twice, but never on patrol. Are we fielding those yet? Yeah, yes, we are. Unfortunately, with staffing right now. Uh, that answered it. <laughs> we, the, the traffic units have gone in to help patrol at this time. Okay. And then uh, Sergeant Espinosa is on his motor out there doing enforcement. He's only one. Oh, he's sneaky. I've yet to see him. So, um, so yeah, um, I, I, I feel really am, um, am in favor of this. Um, we definitely need to get some good solid equipment. I know that the price of vehicles are going up, and most, most importantly, it's because of the, micro, the, the chips. Um, there's still a lack of chips, and they prefer to put them in private vehicles than they do um, emergency vehicles. But um, to that extent, yes, lights are necessary. As an investigator, if you're sitting on a traffic stop or in an accident and you have these LED lights and they still don't see you, you need every light you can get. Yep. Um, and also the halogen lights, they make them exceptionally brighter because regular vehicles have the new halogen lights and they are exceptionally bright. And it is to be seen, that's um, much needed. So thank you, sir. We appreciate all the work you do. Thank you, is anyone else? Gary? Gary Genovese Bullhead. I guess we can go back to 1936 when they just had a spotlight that was red, uh, but I don't think we're going that way. Also, as far as the warranty, if you do come up with these warranties extended uh, and also the 36 uh, month one, 
Are those repairs done locally, say at Anderson Ford, or do they have to be shipped back to this long enterprises wherever they are? Thank you. Yeah, the warranty would be at any Ford dealership, so it would be Anderson here locally. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, I'll entertain a motion, please. Mr. Mayor, I move to approve item 10 as read. Second the motion. Cast your vote. Council Member Ring, did you press? Okay. You did? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh now you did. <laughs> Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item number 11, discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2023-R47, approving the Mojave County Court Automation Project Bullhead City Municipal Court Site Maintenance and Operation Intergovernmental Agreement. Mayor D'Amico, council members, this is a uh, IGA between the city and the county for court services uh, for the automation. I see our judge Spears here. I see Krista Mayor from his staff is here. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll call the judge up to uh, explain the item, please. Good evening, Mayor and Council. We're here today to request council approval of a continuing intergovernmental agreement between the Mojave Superior Court and the Bullhead City Municipal Court. The, it's in respect to what's referred to often as the Mojave County Court Automation Project. This, uh, the, the history of this is that it actually started back in 1994. The Arizona Supreme Court issued a directive uh, requiring local courts to have their own automated support systems for various business functions. Initially, these were basically really aimed at such things as case management systems, uh, court financial and cash management systems, and statistical reporting. It's evolved to other things over the years. Bullhead has basically partnered with this project since October of 1994, um, as have most of the other courts in Mojave County. These courts include Mojave County Superior Court, most of the Justice Court and Municipal Courts. Um, this agreement allows the courts to share and reduce costs, avoid redundancies, lessens the issues that we might have as far as vying for limited resources that we, we seem to have, along with a multitude of other things. Currently, what we see out of this project is they handle the, the servers that we would use for our computer systems, web services, which include linked websites to the um, our own court websites. Uh, electronic document management. We're using right now something called PandaDocs, which allows us to go ahead and share documents where we can email documents back and forth between the involved parties, avoiding potentially having people come into the courtroom. Um, systems for courtroom presentation. Some of these are, with some of the evolution of some of the court presentation things, uh, allows us to do court presentations where they can present evidence. There's audio and security video archiving, which takes a lot of space. Uh, right now, especially with uh, not only just when we do what's called FTRs, or those are the, the voice recorders, where we're actually having court proceedings, but allows us to also videotape anything else as far as whether it's trials or um, any other interactions. We're also currently switching to something that's called SharePoint. It's going to be a, basically the county's own cloud system. That avoids a lot of additional costs. Uh, they also give us cyber security issues or address those issues with training. They do intervention on a regular basis to avoid any kind of downtime. We're doing video conferencing, which allows us to talk to the jails and do initial appearances and arraignments 
from the jail without having to transport people. That again reduces the time and the risk of having people being transported. The also included in the price that you're seeing are the costs of printers, uh, desktop computers. They will maintain our, ca our case management system that basically allows us to talk with other court systems, gives us our email, various other access to support, and uh, also the part of that is there's a requirement that we participate in monthly automation meetings that help out also. That's just a, the tip of the iceberg, but I'm happy to answer any questions, and I'll stand for any questions. Anyone have any questions, comments? Judge, so I, I, this item was kind of a hard read for me. So um, in understanding what the city's obligation, I mean, the, the JPA makes total sense to me. I, I get it. But I was looking at this page where we had the, the estimates of costs, and I'm, I'm still not sure what we're responsible for on this page. What we're looking at is, and I'll switch to, I think you're, that attachment goes over the fiscal year estimations that are presented by the automation committee. So for that first, for the fiscal year starting in 24-25, uh, that first year, and as you read over, it's gonna be the 50,320, and again, reading as you go across. So it's gonna be a total over those five years of about $257,342.11. But that amount of money, if you had to create our own support system and furnish all those would be uh, probably in the millions of dollars. I get that completely, but so we're, we're not concerned about what these items at the top were salaried, salaries, wages, overtime. We're, these are only items down here that we're talking about. Right, because what we're doing is that's they are presenting a budget that includes the entire project countywide. So that includes everything that's going to be, and also that's why you see the other, the amounts for the other jurisdictions also included, because that's everything that's going to be you know, that's going to be included. Those when you look at those salaries that overtime, those are things that are included that we only have to pay a percentage of, and that's that's the percentage that you see in that line item, item under Bullhead City. Okay, yeah, I, w I was just puzzled by the, the across the five years, it's flatlined. There's no inflation built into these numbers and i get it they're an estimate it, it is an estimate and i think that's one of the things that i really applaud the county for and the people running this project if you look at it i think it's less than about a four and a half percent increase over five years and included in that four and a half percent or less than four and a half percent half of that is actually dedicated toward improving the actual system itself so um, they're really not making any profit and this is the best way we really okay. can share a lot of costs this is fully budgeted for the right correct any other questions, comments? Mr. Mayor, I'd just like to say I think this is really wise and a good use of our resources to pull this like this. So thank you for doing that. I think it's going to make it a lot more convenient for a lot of people as well as for your, yourself and your staff. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone from the audience? All right, I'll entertain a motion, please. I want to make a motion to accept item 11 as stated. And I also. I also votes. believe that everything for the court is well needed and appreciated. Thank you. Second. Cash votes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Okay. Item 12, discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2023-R48, approving the city manager's coordination of an excise tax exempt bond issuance in an amount not to exceed $14 million $200,000 and authorize the city manager's execution of agreements and documents in order to successfully complete the bond issuance. 
Mayor D'Amico, council members, we're going to try to make this uh, fun <laughs> and understandable. So uh, let's start out, let's go back to when we budgeted. We talked about our AEL, our expenditure limitation. So we brought that up last year during the budget process, this year during the budget process, knowing that with all of our budgeted expenditures, we're going to bump up against our limit of around $60 million. So every time Mark Clark or any of us, Angie, we have all these things we're buying, well, we have a limit. Now, we have exclusions to that limit, borrowing, grants, and a few other exclusions. So what we're going to talk to you tonight about is why we have to do the short-term borrowing. Essentially, it's, it's our uh, proposal, our program, so that we don't bump up against our expenditure limitation. There's other ways to do that, and we're going to talk to you in the presentation tonight on how to do that including having the voters adjust our base so that we're not bumping up against this. So essentially thinking in these terms, we have money in the bank. We can fund all these programs right now, but if we spend the money out of our bank account, we will go over our expenditure limitation. So that means next year, the state will give us less money. So we just cannot do that. So what we need to do is find a way to not go over our state-imposed limitation. So until we can get the voters to potentially vote on that and raise the limit, we have to find other ways, other grants, other loans, other ways so that we're not bumping up against that. So we work with people like Mark Reeder, our financial consultant, who's gonna make a presentation to you right now, and he's gonna explain to you the proposal that we have. This isn't just a straight up borrow. I wanna make it very clear. We're not raising anybody's taxes. We don't collect a property tax here. We have you know, some 40, million dollars in the bank that some of that we can't spend because we're bumping up our against our expenditure limitation the city is in a great financial position we've worked super hard to get here and we want to keep doing the projects that we've budgeted for so there's a cost to doing business and one of the costs of doing business is, is we have to also uh, you know consider state law that guides everything we do and one of those laws says you can't spend over x amount you have to find ways around it one of the ways around it is borrowing or grants. Mark Reeder and his team, great financial consultants, which you've all met. Mark worked with us on our EPCOR bonds. Mark's worked with us on a number of other issuances that we've had. Came up with an idea that they've been working on in other areas, and he's going to explain that to you. But also, he's going to show you that the cost of borrowing for us can be minimized in a couple different ways. And Robert Drexler and I have talked about how basically, as we go into next year, you won't even see this. You won't even see the cost of this bond by the way we've designed it. Now, all of this we want to explain to you and explain to the public so people aren't thinking that this is something we shouldn't be doing. The fact of the matter is, if we could just write out a check for the new senior center and the animal shelter, we would. But if we did that, then we'd have to cut some other service before the year's out. We'd have to do some other project we'd have to cut, or staff, or whatever, to stay within our state-imposed limit. But as you know, we're running a water company, a sewer company. We've fully funded our police department. So this is what we really need to do. So if you don't mind, I'll ask Mark Reeder to come up and make a presentation. You should have his packet in front of you. And if we uh, can give Mark some time, he'll thoroughly explain uh, this program. And if you have any questions, we'll be happy to answer those along the way. Uh, Mark? Great. Thank you, Mr. Cotter, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, members of the council, good evening. 
Um, I think uh, Sue's going to bring up the pres PowerPoint presentation. Uh, Toby did a good job of, of reminding you of the situation um, that you're in. And I'll preface, I'll preface it by saying you're not the only one, the only city or county across the state that is in this predicament. Uh, the reason why uh, this happened was back in 1980, there was a constitutional amendment way, way back when, which set a base level budget for our cities, towns, and counties. There were unintended consequences of that constitutional amendment. The base was set very low, and then they would give you some credit for population growth and inflation. What happened was our cities uh, grew at, at, at a substantial uh, increase, as you all know, and so just about all of our cities and towns and our counties have been faced with this predicament of not being able to um, spend all their money pursuant to their budget, okay? So I wanted to start the conversation off, uh, if I can take you up to the page two there on, on and you have a hard copy here, of kind of what led to this and I think some of the unintended consequences, I guess, what I was trying to say to you of the 1980 constitutional amendment, okay? Um, so pursuant to statute, as uh, Mr. Cotter mentioned to you, there's an exception under our Arizona revised statutes to help our cities, towns, and counties with this predicament until they fix it. Okay, now it's my understanding that the city will consider fixing your uh, alternative expenditure limit perhaps next year, okay? Until it's fixed, we're utilizing the statute that has the exception in it. And the exception is really pretty simple. A city, town, or county can do, as Mr. Cotter mentioned, a short-term borrowing. Okay, in your case, we're thinking about $14 million or so. Okay, if you borrow $14 million on a short-term borrowing, you get an exemption under the statute that allows you to spend an additional $14 million on the proceeds that'll be used for capital improvement needs that I think you're aware of when you went through your study sessions and the annual debt service requirements. So in working with staff, um, you know, they've, they've estimated somewhere between 14 and 17 million uh, for, for next year for the, for your, to, to address your budget issue. So uh, under the statute, it does allow us to, to have an exemption for the proceeds of a short-term borrowing and the amount of the annual debt service, okay? Okay, moving along here real quick on the second page. Um, I wanted to share with you uh, some recent transactions. Next page, if you don't mind, Sue, thank you very much. Whoever's running this. Uh, I'm on page four of the PowerPoint. Um, we uh, wanted to share with, with council some other recent transactions that have been done in the state. My most recent engagement was with Coconino County. They were in the same predicament as Bullhead, except theirs was about an, about a $100 million exemption requirement. Uh, because of all the fires and all of the major issues up there, all of the public infrastructure, the roads, the flood issues, um, and they're gonna go out and fix their budget uh, next November, November of 24. They needed about an 80 to $100 million exemption under this specialized rule under the statute. So we just completed that transaction that I have here on page four at the bottom, okay? Now, um, 
kind of the cool thing, uh, given market dynamics right now, that's really going to play into Bullhead's favor is the current market conditions that we're in. Let me just share with you real quick what, uh, what Coconino County did, okay? Um, as you know, uh, short-term interest rates have been rising. Everybody knows that, okay? The Federal Reserve has raised um, rates uh, by 5% over the last really 12 to 15 months. So we're in this market where we're having to pay higher interest rates. Uh, remember, we had extremely low interest rates for a significant period of time, including the bonds that were issued for EPCOR. As you know, we were very, very blessed to be in a essentially a 2 to 3% bond market. Very, very blessed. So with Coconino County, to give, that, give you that as an example, they borrowed $80 million. We got 4.5% tax-exempt money for them. So we bid it out and let financial institutions bid on the bonds. We got 4.5% to raise the 80 million they needed for their budget expenditure, okay? When we closed that transaction, we immediately put the 80 million dollars in 5% US government securities. And we're gonna do this for Bullhead City as well. So we had Tax-exempt interest rates still, all in all, relatively low at the time of issuance. And then we had this market dynamic that they were going to be able to take advantage of to take the 80 million and immediately invest it in about 5, 5 to 5.25% money. So they were earning money, they were making more on their, on their interest account than they were on their borrowing. That's a good thing. That's just due to market dynamics. They're going to spend their money over really a two to three year period. So uh, they're going to earn a lot of interest over that two to three year period. And the other policy requirement in Coconino County that we did that we're going to do for Bullhead City is that we're also going to pay down the borrowing as quick as we can. In their case, the 450 money, right? So we have a balancing act here on this short term financing mechanism we have under state statute. We are going to pay interest on whatever our interest rate is. We're going to get bids in on Thursday, so I don't have that number for you tonight. We're going to put your money to work. We're going to earn, we're hoping to earn more than what you're borrowing at so that we can offset that interest cost. Okay? So I just wanted to kind of lay out the recent one that we did that, that, that worked out very well. And then, of course, up above, Maricopa County is another county that uh, often utilizes this mechanism. Um, because uh, it's my understanding they've chosen not to go to the voters to fix their alternative expenditure limit situation. They, they will just do the short-term borrowing every three years, whatever it is, three to five years, and they'll have to pay the, the cost associated with the short-term borrowing versus going to the voters. Okay? So that's page four there. Wanted to give you a little bit of background of some recent transactions. You're not the only one in the predicament. Okay, page five. Um, just wanted to share with you the results of the 2022 elections across the state. And as you can see on here, all of the cities and towns who were required to have an election or decided to have an election, and we've broken those out for you in terms of the, uh, what they call the permanent base adjustment election which means you never have to go back to the voters again, and you'll adopt your budget each year based on your budget process, 
All good there? That's called a permanent base adjustment. Um, and then that's in the light blue up there. And then you can see the cities there that decided to do what they call a home rule, which uh, requires them to have it renewed every four years. So some cities get a little tired of going out every four years, so they'll do the permanent base. Um, and so I uh, wanted to share uh, this slide with you, just to share with you in 2022, you can see on the right-hand side that they were all successful. Um, and of course, no city, town, county, or any jurisdiction can take any election for granted, but the cities did a very good job of educating the local voters that this is really kind of a, a 1980s uh, amendment that happened that had unintended consequences and like other cities, we need to fix it via the home rule and come back every four years or the permanent base adjustment or your third option is to do nothing at all and have to go to the short-term borrowing uh, alternative. Okay, uh, the next page is simply a pie chart for you that shows you of the 82 cities and towns in Arizona, it's about 50-50. The permanent base, uh, 39 cities out of 82 have elected to move forward with the permanent base adjustment that I mentioned to you. And on the right-hand side, about 52% have decided to go ahead and do the home rule and go out every four years for the renewal. So I just kind of wanted to share that background with you, uh, kind of how we got here, the 1980 constitutional amendment, um, the exceptions under Arizona Revised Statute via the short-term borrowing on proceeds and debt service and then share with you a little history in Arizona about what other cities and towns have been doing on that. Okay, so uh, with that I'll take a pause. Can I, before we kind of get into the numbers that we ran for your city, uh, I'll take a pause and see if the council has any questions just basically on the background that I went over. Anyone have any questions? And Mayor, if I could just say, uh, Mr. Drexler, Mr. Pruitt are working on uh, bringing something forward this spring, so early February, March, asking council to put it on the ballot for voters to be voting on it, just like you saw on the, the, the sheet before. So um, we are gonna be requesting a permanent adjustment so that we do not need to do this borrowing in the future. Um, again, that'll be up to you to put it on the ballot for the voters to approve it if, if that's how we want to move forward. So in the meantime, we're back to, back to this uh, $14 million. Thank you. All right, you can continue, Mark. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Hope this is helpful. Okay, on page seven, um, uh, Mr. Cotter kind of summarized this. Uh, what, were our, what, were, what are our objectives? And staff has suggested that we need about 14 million for the capital improvement projects that I think you're familiar <coughs> with. Um, and so we're gonna fund that through the issuance of tax exempt bonds. Um, hoping to get you in the 4% range, bear with us on that, okay? We're gonna get the bids in. Coconino County was 450, we're, you may have to pay a little higher but we have a little higher on the, on the investment side as well. Um, you're a double A rated city, as Mr. Cotter mentioned, as the council is aware. Um, you've got fantastic liquidity. Uh, the city's doing fantastic. You have the cash. You have plenty of cash to do these CIP projects. So we're not doing it 
Uh, we're only doing it again back to this expenditure, alternative expenditure limit calculation and the need for your city to be able to spend uh, accordingly. Um, then number four, we talked about that. That's just investing. I'll get into that in a moment. And the other thing that we're going to incorporate into the transaction is one of our objectives is we're going to incorporate the ability to prepay this debt uh, quickly. We've asked for a 90-day call feature and we've asked for a one-year call feature, okay? And we're going to evaluate those bids on Thursday with staff and we're going to select the bid that's in the best interest of the city and we're going to uh, decide on which particular call feature to allow you to pay this debt down quickly, right? to reduce that interest cost. So uh, we're looking forward to getting those bids uh, here on Thursday. So just wanted to go over with you kind of the uh, goals and objectives when we got in the room together with staff. Okay, page eight. Um, on page eight, Mr. Drexler was kind enough to fill out um, how he sees the city spending the 14 million um, on the projects that you're aware of. And he, he's, he's got them broken out here by month. This is, this is an estimate. As you know, we're seeing a lot of delays in construction projects now uh, just because of the market, some of the supply chain issues that are still out there, things of that nature. But Robert did a good job here of kind of sharing with us how we will uh, draw on that money. We need that uh, so that we can help invest the money, the 14 million, we want to invest the money until you need it. So as you need these draws, the investments come due, we're earning 5% on our money, hopefully, right? And as those investments come due, Robert will then take the monies and go ahead and pay for the CIP projects. Okay. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. Then we asked uh, the city, uh, if we issue 14 million, how fast do you want to pay it down? Because remember, you have the cash. So if you go down on page nine there, up on the screen, uh, you'll see here that uh, on an estimated basis that we'd like to pay a significant amount of this in November of 24, if not sooner, okay? Remember, we're earning money on our money, so it doesn't necessarily hurt us as long as that continues to be the case. And then you can see by March 1 of 25, have the entire $14 million paid off, if not sooner than that. Hey, Mark, if I could interrupt. Yes, sir. So with our auditor, though, and I know you're being very optimistic, but essentially um, in working with our auditor, the earliest we can pay it off is one year. So um, basically we can all remember October 17th. So October 17th of 24, um, depending on where our projects are at, right? So if the animal shelter's done, if Sudden Link's done, if the senior center's done, we'll pay very quickly on those, but we also have to keep in mind that um, w for the auditors to be convinced that we're not part of violating a law, we have to hold this debt for a year, okay? So there will be interest. So what Mark is explaining is well, there will be interest, we'll be paying, but at the same token, we're also investing this in securities to earn interest on the money we just borrowed. So. I mean, it's a fabulous way for us to work around AEL. I mean, we have to borrow to do it, 
So we might as well borrow and stick that money into something that's earning us a little bit of interest before Robert starts to make those payments. But essentially, keep in mind, for AEL, um, and we've talked to our auditors, the way to do that, though, you can't borrow it for a day and pay it back tomorrow. We have to hold this debt for a year. So I know what you're saying, Mark, and the schedule fits with what you're saying. But essentially, I just want to make it very clear because someone could say, well, just pay it off next month. Well, technically, that's, that's not what our auditors told Mr. Drexler, is that you know, it needs to be a year for it to meet the legal mustard of this uh, stat, state statute. Okay, thank you, Toby. Okay, so then um, I'll just take you to page 11 on the PowerPoint, if you don't mind, or you have it in front of you. So based on our assumptions, we tried to come up with, and this will change based on, as you all know, uh, how soon we pay that debt down and uh, can we continue to earn at a higher rate at which we borrow. That's our goal. Short-term rates were up again today. That's a good thing. So as long as we keep that money working in your favor at a higher rate than what you borrow, we're going to reduce our interest costs. So uh, we estimated that, and, and we'll report back to the council at the conclusion of, of this program when we pay the bonds off, uh, we're estimating about 197000 in kind of what I call a net interest cost because, uh, because the, the bonds will be outstanding for a period of time while we earn the investment earnings. So uh, all in all, pretty modest uh, net cost for the, uh, for the city to help you uh, kind of resolve the situation until you go to the voters. So that was a lot, and I'll go ahead and, and see what kind of questions the council has. I hope the presentation was helpful and kind of our approach to addressing the challenge. Anyone have any questions, comments? I do. Yeah. Uh, quick question I have. Uh, as far as paying this off, the indebtedness on there off in a short period of time, is there any pre-payoff penalties? Um, we'll find that on Thursday, but um, I don't anticipate we're going to have to have a prepayment penalty. Okay, and then these bonds, will they be asset-based? Uh, these bonds will be uh, similar to what you've done in the past. These would be revenue bonds of the city. Uh, secured by the, the pledged revenues of the city's primarily your local sales tax and your and your state shared revenues. Okay, last question I have then. Uh, what would the ramifications be if we did not approve this? Um, maybe well, Toby and Robert can help me take yeah. that question. So, happy, I kind of alluded to it before. So, again, we would bump up against our cap. So we have two options. We can go over our cap, and that means next year, whatever we go over, the state will withhold from us. So if we went over our cap by a million dollars, the state would withhold a million dollars of state shared revenue. So that's fatal, right? We would never do that. So if we were looking at that and it wasn't approved by council, I would immediately have to start cutting staff, cutting programs, and we would have to fit within the 60 million stop doing water and sewer infrastructure projects, stop with any park improvements. Um, while, while we're still amassing money every month, we're making money today. Today we made 10, 20, 30 thousand dollars today um, in interest earnings and in, in the revenue our economy is generating. So it's not an issue that I would ever recommend voting against. It's essentially 
what would happen would be devastating because we would have to tell the public we can't do certain things because of an archaic state law that doesn't allow us to spend money. So to answer your question, we would have to cut services and programs while every day we're adding more money to our bank account. Okay, one other question I have then is, uh, <clears throat> as far as these bonds, uh, you guys you go out and you shop, correct, for federal bonds using uh, what Fidelity, Morningstar, Capital Group, Blackstone. But which group do you use, or do you have anyone in particular that you go to? Yeah, Mr. Mayor, Mayor of Council, this one is what we call a private placement. So we're not doing a public offering. And when we do a public offering, those are the types of institutions that would come in and buy the bonds, buy the city's bonds. This one is going to be a private placement because we believe that to be more efficient for the city. So it'll be most of the, the, the major banks, the regional banks. Um, we have a bid, we have 20, we have, we've sent it out to 25 different uh, financial institutions, primarily banks and regional banks that will give us bids. Thank you very much. Thank you. My questions are more for Toby. Uh, I was looking at the uh, slide number five, the 2022 elections and it looks like all of the elections are either held at a primary or a general election. Is that in fact a requirement for this? Yeah, um, conferring with Garn, it is in fact, uh, Travis and Mr. Drexler have been working on when the right timing would be to take this to the voters. I, I think that's something the council is going to have to think about. There, on one hand, you think, well, maybe the primary is a better opportunity to reach the voters, and then other people think, no, no, let's do the general election. Um, again, there's no right or wrong answer to that, so we're going to really have to workshop that and think about that, and as we bring that resolution forward, if you do, in fact, place it on the ballot, the question is, which ballot are you placing it on? Correct. Just a minor question. What what expenditures are exempt from the the limit at a high level? Um, with this program, mm -hmm. uh, the proceeds from the from the bond issue. No, I'm just saying, when the city writes a check, there are mm -hmm. some checks that don't count towards. Right. So what are, what are those? So um, Robert, and I could detail you on that. So like any of our ARPA funding that we received would be exempt. Any grants that we receive. Mm -hmm exempt. Anything from WIFA or any other loans are exempt. In general, that's the big picture uh, exemptions that we get. Did I forget any other big picture ones, Robert? Uh, yeah, there are a few other things. Uh, special assessment districts are another big one, uh, as well as interest income. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, and then one last thing, we're working closely with uh, staff on this. This would be kind of cool if we can pull this off. If we earn a higher rate at which we borrow and the city can spend this money within a two-year period, there, there's a possibility they can actually keep the profit rather than rebate it back to the federal government. So it's kind of an arbitrage play, we call it. So we're going to work closely with the city and if we can spend this money based on certain benchmarks over an 18-month or two-year period, the possibility exists that the city could actually keep that profit, if you will, rather than have to rebate that difference back to the federal government, to the IRS. So it's just a technical feature in the tax law in our world. And we'll work closely with the city. If that happens, great. And if not, then um, we, can't keep the, we can't keep all the profit, that's all. 
So it really comes down, Mayor and Council Members, it really comes down to the projects we're doing. And you all know that within a, a month you'll be seeing a bid for the animal shelter. You see the walls going up for the senior center. The projects are all in play. They will all get done, believe me. They'll be done. So we'll meet the time frame. Um, but then, to Mark's point, what, what we borrow at versus what we invest at, it will be really the difference. And I'm happy to you know keep you updated on that quarterly. Um, Robert, you know, will be looking at federal securities and our investments every day. So just like we do right now with the money in the bank uh, through our local government investment pool by the state, um, we're generating a lot of interest income right now. Um, so we'll keep you uh, informed. Um, Mark can certainly come back and recap it when it's all done. But through the budget process and other things, we'll definitely keep you informed of this, of this uh, borrowing. One more question. We're looking at a year. You're mentioning that if we keep it for two years, possibility we can make money on it and not have to repay that capital back to the back to the government. Would you recommend holding it for two years rather than one year? Um, well, um, it, I think that'll be a function of where rates are, and if rates are are still in that five percent range, then. We don't pay them off in a year. We'll just pay them off over 18 months or two years so that we can keep that difference in profit. Thank you very much. Toby, I forgot to ask one quick question. What have Kingman and Lake Havasu done about this? Say that again, I'm sorry. How, how have Lake Havasu City and Kingman handled this issue? Right, so um, Kingman recently, I don't know if they're on the list, but they, uh -huh. did, their rate, they did their rate adjustment. Um, Travis has been talking to them as well. Um, it passed in Kingman. So we'll definitely be talking to you, and you see here from the spreadsheet of all the cities that have gone through this process, basically asking the voters, can we spend the money that's in our bank account versus bumping up against this artificial limit that the state imposed. Now, they allow incremental growth each year based on new population, but it's just not enough to keep up with it. And when you're a growing, profitable, may I suggest, um, you know, booming community like ours with needs as you grow and new people come in and people are buying things here at retail establishments, tourism, okay, we have needs, we have spending needs. Just PD alone is over 20 million now. So think about our limit, 60 million, that's one third. So we keep bumping up against that. And so um, we, need, we need it adjusted, um, but we're gonna have to have a separate discussion about that in the months to come. And I don't see that why that wouldn't pass. We're not in the same position as like the county where they don't have the money and, and they're in dire need. We have more than enough money I in know. there. And uh, move on this. yeah, like I said, these yeah. expenditures, expenditure limits were done years ago. Um, and I don't see that not passing. This will just get us by so we can get our current projects done. Um, so I think it's I agree. A, right. Thank you. Mark. Hope that was helpful. Thank you very yes. much. Thank, Thank you, Mark. You. Thank you. Are right, there any questions uh, from the audience? Concerns? <coughs> Unreal. Oh, Scotty from Bullhead. <coughs> Unreal. How about we put on a thing here that we get do away with this law? This seems to be a lot of different cities, and we've all got representatives sitting there in Phoenix on their fannies and making us. I just don't believe this. I've never heard of this. 
a state-imposed limit. That's insane. I thought I knew Catch-22. Now I don't again. Talk about a Catch-22. Read the book. You won't ever understand that either. I guess we have a spending problem. Uh, where was this in the budget, Toby? Did we know about this then? Yes. Why didn't it come up then? And you know, we're like we're spending fourteen million dollars on the animal shelter and this thing down here that's our the senior center. That's going to add up to fourteen million. We, we're happy to detail the project out to the council if requested. I mean, I mentioned some of the projects, the senior center, the the Suddenlink Center, the senior campus building. Uh, we have a list of the 14 million. Um, I mentioned during the budget process that there was an AEL problem and that we would have to address it during the year once we started receiving our bids and we knew the exact cost of that. Again, it's not that we don't have the money in the bank to spend, we do. We're just gonna go over the cap, which we can't. So that, I didn't hear half of that, but whatever. Um, now they don't work for free. Are they gonna get like one or 2% off the top, like a normal bond purchase, like on a ballot or whatever? Are they gonna get 1% right off the top? A fee. A fee. It's not a percentage of the 14 million. Do we have to do the whole 14 million? Yes. So we're spending $14 million on something. I guess that's all, that we, is that dog washing machine up there gonna be 14 million? Well, I'm livid over that. Um, this just doesn't seem right. I, got, I wanna buy a house for 41 million and I can't do it because I only got 40 million in the bank but I can't buy a $41 million home. Um, Do you have to do the bond sales all at once? Like when I was doing a bond at $26 million, we do 10 million, 10 million, and then the other six. Or do we have to do it? Our financial consultant, will they'll do it all at once. Can we buy our own whole bond? Can we buy the whole 14 million ourselves? No. Anyone else from the audience? Um, my question is, when will the voters be apprised? Can you state your name for the record, Grace, please? Grace Felsner, Bullhead City. Thank you. When will the voters be apprised of this issue? And what if they don't vote for it? I yeah, mean, great question. So we'll have a workshop early uh, January, February bring a resolution to council to place it on the ballot, and then it would go either to the general election or primary election. If it's not approved, we would do this same thing every year. So borrow money. Well, um, so you'll have enough time to. Uh, this will. I just want everybody to know about it. It's it's a good idea, and it looks like it, it'll help us a lot. And so, it, but the people need to know about it. So I thought maybe if something hit the paper, like this is coming down the road, and that you know, so that people are more apprised of it before it hits the paper in January, like all of a sudden it's there and everyone's gonna go, well, what is this about, you know, why? 
Good, good point. I think the first time is right now. I mean, this yeah. is a whole education um, as a community because we're hitting up against that limitation. We can't spend the money in the bank. So therefore, again, not to repeat myself, sure. but this is the first time that we're able to present this to the public. We could do this again and again and again like Maricopa County, or we could go back and ask the voters to fix the base so that we can spend the money in the bank without having to borrow. Great. All right, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Pam. Pamela Smith, Bullhead. Uh, just a quick question. You've mentioned Suddenlink or Optima at least two times this evening. What are we doing there? Yeah, the, the plan, um, we're working with the school district. The plan would be a total renovation of the community center. And that's in the works. We've been working with the school district on that. Um, the one thing that'll be coming to the council, hopefully in the next meeting or two, is uh, an agreement with the school district where we buy, own the entirety of the facility. The council's been reluctant to invest until we own it outright, but there are things that are needed right now, air conditioning, roof, et cetera. Um, so we do hope that uh, here in just a very short time, we will have full ownership of the Optimum Center. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Oh. That was close. Eva Corbett, Bullhead City. Um, back to the Optimum Center. I'm not clear. I thought they donated that to us. Happy, yeah, happy to talk about that. So we have a 25-year lease agreement on the center at no cost to the city. Uh, however, it's now showing its age and uh, major improvements are needed on the facility, more parking, et cetera. And so the, the council, uh, through public workshops, has said, you know, if we're gonna invest big money on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into that facility, they want the community, the city, to own it. Own it outright, not a lease. A dollar a year lease for 25 years doesn't give us uh, the confidence that, uh, you know, that that would be a good investment. So the relationship we're building with the elementary school district would be ownership of the facility. Thank you. Anyone else? Mayor, City Council, Sean Reed, Bullet City. I'll be brief. Um, just so I'm clear um, from what I understood, is this actually, um, we're having to go into debt and borrow from what we already have because the state is putting a limit on what we can use? Is yes. that English? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Okay. Yeah, that's basically what I want to hear. <laughs> Anyone else? All right, then I'll entertain a motion, please. Mr. Mayor, I move to approve item 12 is read. Second motion. Cast your votes. Seven in favor of the motion. Motion carries. Item number 13, discussion of possible action to one, approve the sale of city-owned properties at public auction and set minimum bids as presented to authorize the city manager or a designee to determine auction processes and issue any transactional documents as necessary. And three, authorize the mayor to execute the resulting deeds in accordance with the previously issued city policy. Mayor D'Amico, council members, there's three parcels that went through the REO committee at their most uh, recent meeting. And uh, they set the minimum bid amounts at their meeting. 
the in your packet you see the first parcel 1300 silver creek road that's the ground uh, where the holiday inn sits uh, that was an appraisal that was recently completed the REO Commission uh, Committee agreed with the $180,000 minimum bid price. Parcel two was a small lift station in front of the condos on Highway 95, just south of Community Park. It's a very, very small piece. Um, that is only a $500 assessor, uh, full cash value. It would have no interest uh, for any party except for the condos or the developer who just bought that 18 acres between community park and the condos and then the vacant land item number three is uh, the city-owned property uh, 1.2 million was the minimum bid set by the reo committee this is land that's been held by the city for well over a decade now uh, we've tried to sell it numerous times the city acquired it back in the heyday uh, for some back taxes and paid off some uh, utility uh, district special assessments and so hopefully n the timing is now right where a developer would come in and buy that put it back on the tax rolls and uh, um, put it in private hands uh, stand for any questions anyone have any questions concerns uh, I would just forewarn anyone that looks at this uh, small parcel and thinking $500 is a good uh, bid where you might be able to own some property. The property is about the size of my desk right here. So unless you want to set up a lemonade stand or something, I don't think you would even have room for that. But, all right, do I have any questions or concerns from the audience? All right, then I'll entertain a motion, please. Mr. Mayor, motion to approve item number 13 is read. Second. Second motion. Pass your votes. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. Item 14, discussion of possible action to adopt resolution number 2023-R49, approving an amendment to the Bullhead City Municipal Code, section A3.40.030.04, concerning boat launch annual pass fees for commercial sales and repair. Mayor DeMico, council members, uh, this is a staff um, driven uh, reduction so this would actually be a fee reduction within our comprehensive fee schedule uh, it is allowed uh, we are allowed to recommend reductions in this particular case we do have a commercial boat launch we do have uh, at least one local business owner who has objected to the $500 per annuum uh, annual pass for the boat launch fees. Essentially, uh, Mayor D'Amico and I had talked to him and essentially what he does is he repairs boats. He doesn't rent jet skis or rent boats and once a week, a couple times a month, he has to come in and use it, make sure the boat floats or whatever was malfunctioning is now fixed. Uh, we still want him to use that commercial ramp so that we don't have commercial activities uh, in the middle of the park. Um, he agrees that he would comply with all the insurance and everything else, just felt that an occasional use for someone who's fixing a boat was a little high at 500. He requested the 250. It seemed reasonable and we bring it for your consideration. Thank you. Uh, yeah, 250 is still very reasonable. Um, uh, when, when the jet ski companies are paying 500 and making a lot of money, I mean, the guy, uh, he contacted us very seldom does he even use it, but there's times when he has to go out and test, the, test them for after the repairs. Are uh, there any other questions or concerns? Anyone from the audience? And I'll entertain a motion, please. Mr. Mayor, I move to approve item 14 as read. Second a motion. Seven in favor of the motion, motion carries. That concludes our meeting, thank you.